It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, May 24th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is talking everything about the Flyers with Steph Driver. I have questions. I'm loaded with questions. Yeah, very excited to bring you our conversation with the host of Broad Street Hockey Radio. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. You can subscribe or follow us for free on YouTube. We're on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you to so many people who've subscribed over on YouTube in the last couple of weeks since we talked about our giveaway. Uh, We're getting closer to that 800 subscription mark. So if you haven't yet, Uh, head over to YouTube and subscribe there. We'll announce the prize once we get a little closer to that milestone for you. Uh, Just a bit of Flyers news before we get to our conversation with Steph Driver. Uh, It came out uh, via David Pagnotti that the NHL is thinking about having two outdoor games in a row at MetLife Stadium in North Jersey, uh, where they would have back-to-back games, uh, the Flyers versus the Devils, and the Isles versus the Rangers. What is uh, your take on that? I like it. Um, I, I went to all those games at Yankee Stadium when they had all the New York teams playing. I like the fact that they brought in the Devils and the Flyers. It's a lot of seats, though. And so there is a thought. I just spoke to Ted Starkey, and he said that he thinks they would um, include some sort of concert or music act that plays a little bit more with the Flyers Devils because it's a lot of seats to fill for them. And so, you know, my idea of a band that would work would be like fish. Uh, Uh And Trey Anastasia is a big Flyers fan. As an example, he was in their locker room in 2010. So maybe that's like the Flyers contingent. And then New Jersey goes with whoever they go with, you know, but that's just, I mean, it's gotta be Bon Jovi, right? I mean, but he may not want to do it. Like at this point, Bon Jovi, I know. it just feels like it needs to be a New Jersey. Kind it does. Of guy. And it shouldn't be Southside Johnny just cause he's too old and it shouldn't, and it probably won't be Bon Jovi cause he doesn't want to do it or Springsteen, but there's probably somebody else in between yeah. there that, that might work out. And so, yeah, I could see them adding some music to it just to juice those yep. extra, you know, 15,000 seats that they might be lacking to fill. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we'll see if an official announcement comes out and uh, would be a good travel destination for the weekend, too, for people coming into New York at the same time. You go to the outlets caucus. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Steph Driver. All right. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome from Broad Street Hockey Radio, Steph Driver. Welcome, Steph. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel and Russ. It's been a long time coming. I really, I really appreciate the chance to be a guest with you guys. Yeah, wanted the timing to be exactly right. And man, so much intrigue in Flyers land. And this is the perfect time 
to talk to you. Uh, speaking of all of that intrigue and news as of late, uh, wanted to talk to you about the your initial take on the Keith Jones hire, and then now that we've a- allowed time to let it sink in a little bit, have your feelings changed at all? Because I know I'm a firm believer in allowing yourself to have a gut reaction and then a thought out reaction. I love that thought process. Uh, My gut reaction was uh, when I heard that Keith Jones and Eddie Olchek were the two front runners, I laughed. Like that was, that was my reaction. I was like, yeah, all right. The flyers are flyersing. Um, And then Keith Jones was announced the team president. And again, I I laughed Um, after having thought through it, after having heard what he has to say, I'm definitely willing to give him a chance. I think that he's got, he's saying the right things, but he's a media personality. So he's going to say the right things. We, we know how to spin, right? Like this is, (laughs) this is what we do. Um, What I need to see from him is actual results. So let's see how this draft goes. Let's see how free agency goes. I don't even know if I want to wait until the season starts to start giving him a grade because we need, we need to hit on free agency. We need to hit on the draft. And if the Flyers don't, I don't, I don't know what this next season is going to look like. All right. So Steph, the first thing is the draft. So when, when Danny was hired, I asked him about that. Would they bring in anybody else, another consultant, somebody, would there be any changes? He said, no. And so that's a worry for me because I've gone back and looked at how they've been drafting and it's, uh, it's mixed. It's not great. It's not in the top of the yeah. league. It's not in the bottom of the league, but it's, it's not good enough. And so what gives you, or what do you think is going to give the fans that little extra confidence? Cause it's the same group doing it. It's the same group. And that is very hard to stomach. It's the same group of scouts. It's the same group really in, in management with the exception of Danny and Keith, um, you know, we're seeing that they're saying that the the tribunal or whatever it is, is not going to be involved. But I don't believe that until I see it. I don't believe it until I see them start drafting for skill as opposed to size. I, I won't believe that until I see them drafting skill and speed as opposed to size and toughness. Like that's what I want to see. And, and the Flyers just haven't really stepped outside that box much. They have a little bit. Uh, Cutter Gauthier is not super big, but like still mm-hmm. he was, he was their size, their toughness. Mm-hmm. The other thing that should give fans some hope is that it's going to be a high pick. Mm-hmm. It's a strong draft. It's a deep draft. There's only so many ways the flyers can screw this up for themselves. Now, that being said, I think they might find a way, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want us going into this draft thinking that they're going to screw it up. It's a very deep draft. They're going to get a good player at seven. Whether we see them this season or next season, that's the question mark. It might be a couple years before we see who they pick at seven, but. Yeah. So to follow up though, um, yeah. Cause I, it, you know, and it could be three or four years depending on who you take. So, you know, if Matt Faye Mitchkoff falls to seven, the Flyers have only drafted two Russians in the last like 11 years. You know, Provorov and um, Rupstov. And I don't believe they would draft Mitchkov. I think they would pass on him. But what's your feeling? That one's so tricky because of what happened with Fedotov. Um, I think that they're going to be really extra wary. And I think 
the, the whole NHL should, because who knows, who knows if they're going to be released from their KHL contracts or from, from Russia in general. Um, but, you know, that being said, if he's not going to, if we're not looking to bring him over for three, four years, the whole, the, the Russian situation is, is the kindest way that I can put that mm-hmm. might be over by then. Mm-hmm. So it might, it might be worth taking a flyer on the kid if he falls only because they don't know if he's going to be able to make it to North America to play this year, next year. If we're looking at three, four years. I think it'd be a great idea for them to pick him at seven. I do too, but I just, I don't have the, uh, the, the, I just don't think they'll do it. And also with Dvorsky, so they haven't even drafted a European in a high number for a very long time either. And it makes me wonder if Dvorsky's there, are going to, they default to an American or Canadian without really giving him a chance. Cause he's a heck of a player too. Yeah, that's a great question. I, and as you were saying that I didn't even, it hadn't connected for me that all of their high draft picks have been from North America for the past yeah. lot of years. It didn't like that just didn't click for me until you said it. Ooh, yeah, that, ooh, I am so sorry. That's all right. Um, we we are all pet owners in Locked On Flyers, and he is very upset at the little teacup Yorkie next door named Trixie. Um, I I now that you said that, and I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think they probably will skew North American or Canadian. Absolutely, that seems like the safe bet, and the Flyers like to play it safe. Yep. Yeah. All right, we'll have more with Steph coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll have more with Steph Driver coming up. Uh, Just a reminder, we're going to have a mailbag later this week. And you can tweet us at Locked On Flyers. You can email us at Locked On Flyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube to get your questions answered. Going back to the management hires a little bit before we started recording, we talked about the GM search and, you know, that Danny Breer was the automatic choice when there are lots of options out there, especially with, you know, some key people around the league getting fired or choosing to go elsewhere. And uh, it seems like they didn't talk to anybody else like that was very concerning. But what's your take on that? Agreed completely. Really concerning that they did they they made these hires fast before the season was really over. So we don't know who was available from other teams. And we've seen we've seen these names come up in the past few weeks, like Eric Tulski, who got his start as a Flyers fan. Like he's yep. one of us, and yet they didn't request to speak with him. Um, we've seen Kyle Dubis. Like he may not want to come back 
immediately to run a team, but we could have spoken to him. That would have been Yeah, great. we talked about that way before he got canned, that that was going right? to be a possibility, perhaps. Yeah, they. I, I fully believe that they should have, even if the result would have been the same, mm-hmm. they should have done, they should have done their due diligence and they didn't. And and that it wouldn't have changed the result for me. I think I still would have laughed, but at least they would have done, <laughs> at least they would have done their due diligence. At least we would right. have seen yeah. they are getting more hockey names that were not former Flyers in the mix. We're continuing with the theme of former Flyers, beloved former Flyers. Okay, but hey, so answer John Tortorella then on the former flyer thing because he berated the fans over that i have absolutely no idea i've got no answer for john tortorella um i i swing from really liking him to really not liking him and it it just depends on which public statements that he's made recently i think that they believe he has a brighter future in the organization than just head coach i think that he's going to move up um, and I believe, and I've got no inside information here, but this is what I I feel looking at it. I believe that he's been told that's the plan because that's how he's acting. Um, he's he's behaving as someone who's been told you've got a, a long future in this organization, and that's not bad. It's just do you want to do you want your coach to alienate the fan base as he's continuing to move up the ranks in the organization? And I don't. I think you, the answer to that is no. You don't want you don't want the coach alienating the players or the fan base, and the, the players. That's definitely a concern with Tortorella. Yeah, and you know, committing to a guy for the long term in the middle of a rebuild is probably not the wisest move either. It was a little silly. Yeah. A li- yeah. To be extremely kind, it seems a little silly, and to be less kind, extremely short sighted. Yeah, which actually does lead into the question, like, if this were a year and a half ago, when they probably should have started the rebuild, would they have hired John Tortorella at all? They shouldn't have. No, no, he's not a rebuild coach. He is a coach that takes a well-packaged team and and takes them further. He's a good coach. He is. He is a good coach, and he will get as much out of this team as they're willing to put in. And we've seen them battle for him. That being said, you know, he's got a shelf life. He's had a shelf life as a coach. And if they're only halfway through this rebuild, when that, you know, it starts to expire and the co- the locker room starts to turn on the coach, what's going to happen then? And that's yeah. what concerns me. When we have so many young players in the middle of a rebuild, are we really going to put them through another coaching change? Um, and what comes to mind when saying that is Travis Konechny. He's had so many different coaches. He's had so many different styles of play that's been expected of him throughout his career that it's amazing that he's still able to produce the way that he is. He's had a new coach every other season. I've been really impressed with him just being able to keep up the pace that he has because he's had a new coach so often. And I, you know, saying that a lot of these players have, but ever since he came in, it's been, uh, and Provorov at the same time. So. It, it's just been it's a, been a revolving door. They need someone to bring in some stability. But if they're halfway through a rebuild and they change coaches, I think that that's going to throw a wrench in the works. Yep, I, I think so, too. Um, you know, I think 
the Flyers are are definitely on a bit of a PR kick right now, obviously with the the new leadership team in place. And, you know, they've started this new messaging with a a new era of orange. And now they're starting this liftoff theme as well for some behind the scenes coverage that they're doing this summer. Uh, Hold on. I missed the liftoff. Is this like a a NASA thing? Like, uh, are they going to start like, because, you know, anytime I get excited, I just want to say this. Anytime I I, would love some rockets. No, I I disagree. Some flyers in space on the vomit comet. I'm here for it. I disagree. (laughs) Every time I get excited about a NASA project, it just fails. It does. It either doesn't lift off. It takes three more weeks. It always seems to fail. And I don't care about every one of them, but every once in a while I do. That's the only reason I bring that up. But have they tried putting space is hard. Oh, no. Gritty in space. That's a whole different thing. I would. That's a whole different thing. I'd be all for that. Like, let's just put Gritty in a spacesuit and send him up. I think that that would that would meet all of our expectations, I believe. Yeah, I think so, too. But uh, looking at, at all of this and what they're doing right now, does it feel like a change? No. Yet. No, I, I, and that's, it, it just doesn't because they're not, they're trying so hard, this front office, but they know how disengaged the fans are. And it's just because the play has been abhorrent for the past few years. No one wants to watch this. Like we, we have to watch these games. And even then, like I half paying attention because it's awful. It's awful to watch these games. And then you watch the playoffs and you remember, oh, I really like hockey. Like, I love hockey. I just don't like the way that the Flyers have been playing for the past few years. They're, the front office, like the, the PR staff, the marketing staff, they're trying so hard, but it's, it's not going to come until the team is better on the ice. So that could be- Although I, do, I like the new orange. I do like the new- Yeah, yeah the new orange. orange is good. I actually like that too. Yeah. But me too. That leads me to my other question about the disenfranchised fans that are already out there. You know, is this enough to bring them back? Or what do you think it's going to take besides just showing that you're in the right direction, either in the rebuild or or record wise, you pick one. Um, but like, I don't know, does this bring the disenfranchised ones back? I mean, I don't know if it does. I've I've been saying for probably the past year maybe a little bit more um, that the players need to start marketing themselves on the flyers, like the flyers players specifically, because that's the only way they're going to be more likable to the fans. Like we need to get more behind the scenes of Owen Tippett. Like let us get to know Owen Tippett Mm -hmm. because that's the only way we're going to really become more engaged is if the players become people as opposed to just these dudes that we watch from afar on the ice and they're not the NHL is terrible. Hockey players are terrible at marketing their stars, but the only way that fans are going to be reengaged with this team, I think is if the players start becoming personalities in themselves. So we want to watch them. All right. So, you know, I could, I could help with that because I have a picture of myself and, and I actually, I don't think I'm in this one, but I'm interviewing Owen Tippett on a boat before the NHL draft in Chicago and he's in shorts, like he's just hanging in shorts, you know, maybe I'll pull that video. If I have video of it, I'll have to look, I know I have it up (laughs) a few of the players. I'll pull that back up and at least, you know, you can get an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like the flyers have gotten to the point where if you go to a bar in center city and there's a flyer there, no one knows, like they're just not recognizable. So I think the number one thing, getting them recognized in public, like even without the logo, 
make them become actual like professional athletes. And I think that that's, that's lacking in, in hockey as a whole, but definitely with the flyers, the last big personality we had was Giroux and Giroux, you know, for better or for worse, did not have much of a personality. The one no. that had the personality <laughs> not was Jake. Not for v- that, like what you're looking for. No. no. Right. Jake Voracek was the one that had the personality that played with the fans, and it it worked. Everyone knew who Jake Voracek was, yeah. and people decided whether they wanted to root for him or against him. And it was pretty split within the fan base. Yeah, because he got grumpy. That's That was the He's- whole thing. He did. Yeah. One of my uh, thoughts for them on that front is I really think that the Flyers need to bring back the old school style of trial on the aisle and involve the current players in those competitions. Get the beach volleyball going, running up and down. Do like, you know, sea rescue practice with the lifeguards, like all of it, bring it all back. But it was fun. And I do think Fans really did enjoy that. I know Lou used to enjoy that. Uh, I think it would be great, and, and it is fun. And, you know, maybe Nick Delorier doesn't want to do it. I get it. But a lot of the other Flyers would want to do it. No, give me some Scott Lawton right. Scott on the beach. All for it. Like, Wade Allison yeah. would be just – like, oh, yeah. we've seen him do Trial of the Isle. He is so much fun. Yeah. That's a yeah. great idea, old-school Trial on the Isle. I think that would be fantastic. More more yeah. engagement with the fans, I think, is exactly what they need. We'll have more with Steph coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I look better and feel great wearing Bird Dogs shorts and pants. I'm wearing them now. They're stretchy fabric, makes me look great, and they're com- comfortable. And, you know, I wear them when I'm doing the lawn, when I'm walking the dog, just all day. I mean, I'm you know, I'm taping podcasts and writing all day, and, and I'm hanging out in them, and so far, so good. They're really good. They're some of the best shorts I've ever worn. So, uh, again, you could wear them when you're playing golf or hanging out with your friends. They're perfect to tailgate when you go into a baseball game, anything like that. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. And when you enter the promo code locked on NHL, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. So along those lines, in terms of fan engagement, you know, in that presentation they did with Keith Jones and Danny Breer and the whole group, you know, they talked about Ed Snyder a lot and and the legacy and all of that. And I just wonder, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it was a great thing because I think, you know, Ed Snyder's legacy is such an integral part of the Flyers experience and Flyers fandom. But there are a lot of younger people and younger fans who don't know Ed Snyder and don't understand some of that stuff, which is neither good nor bad. It's a neutral thing. And to me, it feels like they haven't gotten a hang of how to present the Flyers and the Flyers future to a younger fan base that's just doesn't understand that history. And so what like, how do you feel about what the Flyers are doing? On that I think front? I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. I think that they launched Gritty to get the younger fans and they don't quite know what to do with them right now. The Flyers fan base is pretty, is pretty split down the middle. It's you've got the traditional Flyers fan who saw the cups, right? So you've got the the Flyers fans that are season ticket holders. And then the next group that has the most, the most season tickets 
below the the we'll call them the boomers if you will but i hate i hate using that but it's it is the younger crowd so they are seeing more youths if you will mm-hmm. they are seeing them buy more season tickets but you're totally right they don't have that connection to ed snyder they have that connection to Eric Lindros, maybe Eric, definitely Eric Lindros. I was going to say Claude Giroux, but like that whole, the whole nineties, early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. That's where the connection is. The connection is with the players. The connection is not with Ed Snyder, the owner, because the only Ed Snyder, the owner they remember is when he brought in Briz. Yeah, I I do have an idea though for that. I I do agree with the Briz thing. Like that was tough, but um. What about having like a Founders Day, like on one of those day games that they have, let have an Ed Schneider Day, invite in some of his family, maybe even invite in some other dignitaries besides you're going to have the triumvirate there, but maybe even like a Wayne Gretzky, someone like that. Let them speak. They're seeing Gretzky on TV. So certainly younger players. And, you know, let and maybe then they might have a connection. They've never really done that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um. I'm I'm wondering how how do you think that would go over with the people who who say that Ed Snyder is is too involved in the legacy of today's team because I can go I go either way. I think this is just um, like a yeah. hey we're paying our, our 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 homage or homage to him and maybe you don't know some of these stories for so one gonna, day yeah so you know. for one day and we're gonna just you don't you might not know these stories so we're gonna have some big big people around the league give you an idea of what it was to deal with Ed good stories and bad. I think people would enjoy it because I think the the thing was when you interviewed Ed, like, you know, it was like, you got a lot of good and then you got a lot of like weird stuff too. And I enjoyed all of it. Like I did. And I think if people heard that and then they might move off the bridge thing and say, okay, like I sort of get it now. I think it would help. I think, I think you're right because I came I became a Flyers fan a little bit late. I grew up in North Jersey, so I'm not really from Philly. Yeah, neither um, am I. I'm from Long Island, so. Yeah, we we probably grew up a half hour from each other. So I came in late. I was just after the Lindros era where I came in. So I got the end of the Snyder era. So I don't remember the, like, the big highlights, but I do hear about them from you know, my colleagues at Broad Street Hockey. Mm-hmm. Kelly loves telling Ed Snyder stories. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it's very, it's very entertaining to see where the team has come from. And I do think there's huge value in that where I tend to, like, I think what they did in the presentation was a little bit pandering to the fans, which I don't hate. I do love a good, I do love a good. Oh, me too. I love it. Um, but I don't think it's a bad idea to be like, this is where we come from and this is where we want to go. Yeah. I think that could be a really fun bridge. Like we came from here. We're called the Flyers for this reason. It was an entry into a and, this, and, this, and that way, maybe the younger fans would understand how those older fans feel. Like, because they probably yeah. don't get it. But after that day, they might get it. Yeah, yeah. And be a little bit more of a bridge yeah. connection. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think it would be a, a lot of fun too. And, and bridge that gap, like yeah. you said. Yeah, like this is we all we all got here some way. Mm-hmm. So what is what is your fan origin story? And be like, this yeah. is Flyers origin story. Yeah. That would be super cool. Uh talking about, you know, the on ice product and the team itself, 
do you have for this off season any like must keep no. players or are you like anything <laughs> anything can happen anything can happen and i would support it um you know i always used to be you do not trade Carter Hart. You don't trade the young talents like Joel Farabee, um, Owen Tippett, um, Cam York. Like you don't trade, you don't trade the younger guys. But at this point, we're on a rebuild where you've got to listen to everything. If Carter Hart is going to get you the skill and the number one talent that we need, unfortunately, the one goalie that we've had that really could elevate us to the next level came at the wrong time came at the wrong time and that's really unfortunate but if if that's what it takes to get the rebuild really started and kicked off strong that's what it takes yeah i think the hard thing is is complicated but i i do think you're right i do think you have to listen to everything i think that that sort of makes sense but as far as the injured flyers like, again, you know, you hear like John will, will mention Couturier and Atkinson, like, hey, they're going to be back next year. They're going to be part of the penalty kill. I don't have that same feeling. Like, I have to see some actual play on the ice. Like Cam Atkinson, we haven't seen in a year. He was on the yeah. ice for 10 minutes, and then, you know, all these things happened to him, felt horrible, and we have to see where he's at. Sean Couturier, yeah. when we saw him on the ice, he was just practicing and got hurt. So how do yeah. I think he could even get through 50 games this year? Like, how could I have that confidence? And I don't – that's a problem because I think there is a certain, I think from inside, especially there's a certain amount of, well, when we get these guys back, then we're going to be ahead of what we'd be in the rebuild. But I, I don't think you can count your chickens before they're hatched. No, I think you're totally right. Cause I used to be part of that crowd that was like, as soon as Couturier is back, as soon as Couturier is back, they're going to be competitive. I don't know what version of Sean Couturier we're going to get back after all of these, the, the back injuries, the neck injuries. It's that's so scary. Like as a human being having oh, yeah. back and neck injuries, that's so scary. And then to be a professional athlete and going out there and just wrecking your body. That's so scary. I, and I don't know, I don't know what version of Sean Couturier we're going to get back, but I'm pretty confident it won't be Selkie winner, Sean Couturier. And that's unfortunate. Atkinson. Yeah. He's he's a good player. Mm -hmm. I think he'll come back and he'll continue to put up a bunch of points. But at this point in his career, you know, we're we're a second line. We're a second line player at this point. And, and that's probably being a little bit generous. Yeah. He hasn't he hasn't played. We don't know. And then, of course, the other the other injury that was that just no one speaks of is Ryan Ellis. Right. That was Right. Not really an injury, but also an injury, and no one quite knows what's going on. But let me ask you about this, because again, so the Ryan Ellis thing goes way back. I was on that initial conference call when Ryan Ellis was on it. We brought it up on the show, but I haven't brought it up to you, so I want to hear your opinion. But on that initial conference call, somebody, and, and it may have been Sam or somebody else, asked him about previous injuries and having an injury history. And he and he really got you know bristly about that, and he was like, no, no, no. I've only hurt my hand. I don't really have an injury history, yada, yada, yada. And here we are now. And so it's just like, you know, what do you think about that? I, it's so hard. I really feel for him. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard what he's dealing with behind the scenes and it is everything that I've heard is just horrific. Like what we heard about uh, Pronger's rehab and how he was right. doing things and it was really like really bad for him his quality of life was really bad 
I've heard that's the case with Ryan Ellis too. Um, and I, I just can't, there, there's, again, the two pieces of me, there's the human part. And then there's the, the fan part. The fan part of me is like, what, what are we doing here? It didn't cost too much to get Ryan Ellis, Nolan Patrick, Phil Myers. They were not going to go places with this team. And as we've seen really in the NHL very far, Um, so it didn't cost too much to get him. What it cost was the disappointment of having a really solid blue line. Um, but when it comes to the people aspect, I just can't help but feel so bad for him. He, he got booed on opening night this year. He didn't deserve that. No, he didn't. That was awful. The look on his face, he was, you could tell he was like, I can't, like, he can't control it. Yeah. I just felt so bad for him. And that's, that's really where I land on Ryan Ellis. Like it's, it's, I can see how it would be embarrassing for the organization, but I don't think it should be injuries happen. It's just part of the game. Um, I've, I'm going on a little aside here. I've been watching hundred foot wave on HBO and I just watched the season finale um, and someone broke their foot and they were just like, it's part of the game. It's part of surfing. Like this is yeah. this normal injury. This is what happens. And that's that's hockey. Guys get injured. Sometimes they miss full seasons. And a lot of times it's career ending. We've seen it all over the place. Yeah, I went we to don't... a Robbie Knievel jump. I covered it at the Intrepid in New York, right? And he mm-hmm. at the end, he made the jump. But he went into the hay bale so hard that his arm, like his hand was hanging. And it was oh. broken. It was totally broken. Like and we saw blood and... Ten minutes later, oh, no. he came out of his trailer and he interviewed with all of us. And I'm thinking, this guy's got to be dying of pain. His his hand is probably broken in four places, yeah. but he made the jump, so he's doing the interview. And I just felt like that's what it is like. It's that's exactly, what it is. Yeah, that's crazy to me. It but is. that that is that is the the beautiful game that we love. Yeah. Guys, guys get hurt and they put their bodies on the line. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it cost us cost us a really solid blue line for a season or two. Yeah. So kind of to wrap things up here, Steph, just kind of looking at benchmarks for success for the Flyers, like what is your takeaway on like what a successful summer would be and then a successful next season would be? Ooh, that is a great question. What I would like to see out of the draft is a really solid pick. I'd love if they could get another number one pick, another first round pick, not number one overall, but another first round pick would be great for them. Um, Just really get a lot of picks from trades if we can. Free agency, I think it needs to be. We'll listen to offers on anyone. They need to be active. We cannot have another trade deadline JVR situation, which was humiliating. And for the season, oh, I what would make a successful season for me is for them to be fun to watch. That's that's how I measure success. Because I'm going to watch all 82 games anyway. I need to be having fun while I'm watching them. And for, for me, that will be a successful season if it's fun. I don't even need to know the win-loss record. If they're playing well and it's fun for me, that will be a successful season. Is this fun with or without like alcohol? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> All right, Steph. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to be found, where can people find you out there? You can find me on Twitter at Stephalicious D. I do have a project in the works that we'll be announcing 
in the fall, but I promise it's super exciting and you're going to want to be, you're going to want to be a part of it once you hear about it. Cause I'm super excited. Right. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Stephalicious D. You can find my work on Broad Street Hockey. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. All right. Once again, thank you to Steph Driver from Broad Street Hockey Radio for joining us today. That was so much fun. We got into everything. We did. We really dug in, man. The players, the marketing, all of it. Yep. We came up with ideas too. So the Flyers are listening. Hopefully you take us up on it. I think so too. They should listen to us. They should. All right. Uh, Everyday listeners, tomorrow on the show, we're going to get back into our goalie week content. We're going to address a few more goalie prospects eligible for the upcoming draft. We're going to talk Noah Erledin. We're going to talk Trey Augustine and Michael Harabal. So some top uh, goalie prospects available in the draft. And could the Flyers be picking one of them this year? As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.